Star Wars 7x7 episode 813. Today is the big day. Star Wars Rebels Season 3 debuts tonight on Disney XD. And we've got some predictions from fellow podcasters, including a couple from myself, right here for you. Punch it, Chewie. It's Rebel Rousing Fun for Everyday Jedi. Seven minutes a day, seven days a week. Join Alan Voivod for today's Star Wars 7x7 podcast. Destiny Unleashed. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and Season 3 of Rebels debuting tonight. Pretty exciting stuff. The long wait is over for the millions of fans who were not privileged enough to be in the room at Star Wars Celebration Europe and see the first two episodes of Star Wars Rebels Season 3. That includes me. I was not actually in that panel, and so I have only read episode descriptions, and so I have a sense of what's going to happen, but, you know, it's a lot different from actually seeing the thing live and in person. But even if you were at Celebration Europe to see those first episodes, or if you saw an illegal stream of them somewhere online, or if you read episode descriptions about them from people who were there, it doesn't matter because there's so much more to a season of Rebels. I mean, we're going to get, what, 20 other episodes or something like that? So many months of content lay ahead of us for character development, for surprising action and excitement and All of that good stuff. So I reached out to fellow podcasters and asked for their predictions about what could happen on Season 3 of Star Wars Rebels. First of all, from my friend Tim McMahon, who does the Less Than 12 Parsecs podcast, this is what he has to say. He says, I predict that Season 3 of Rebels will be the Empire Strikes Back season, meaning it's going to end on a down note. It's going to be a little darker in tone, a little more mature. I don't know if that means we'll see a character die or if we see Ezra embrace the dark side, but I bet there's going to be some hardships coming to the crew of the Ghost. I can imagine Thrawn being a much more worthy villain of the crew than Agent Callus was, and I predict he will push them around quite a bit. And so I agree with Tim wholeheartedly on this one. And in fact, I might even take him a step further and say that if you think that there has been sort of a burgeoning Rebel Alliance happening in Star Wars Rebels, where you've seen instead of Rebel Cells operating solely and independently, that some of them are starting to come together, like what happened as early as Season 1's finale, when a bunch of different Rebel Cells came together to rescue Kanan from Governor Tarkin. You know, you start to see that cooperation happening, but the fact that Thrawn is on the scene, I think will end up driving the Rebel Cells apart again. And I think that's going to be a matter of necessity, a matter of safety, basically. I don't think they're going to be able to partner up because it's going to create too many opportunities for loose lips sinking starships, for lack of a better way of putting it. All right, now from Jeremiah Stewart, who is part of the Bombad radio team, he says, I have a feeling they've completely found their footing and that we'll see it tie in with the films very well, especially Rogue One and even more for The Force Awakens. I also predict the Old Republic will have even more of a presence this season than it did last year, referring to the Knights of the Old Republic, etc. Also, Thrawn will be amazing, and he believes Darth Maul will not survive this season. And for me personally, I hope that Maul thing is correct. I mean, don't get me wrong, Darth Maul, interesting character for sure. I was bummed that he got killed so quickly in The Phantom Menace. You know, that was too bad, but that's the thing. He was killed in The Phantom Menace. Like, I don't know how anybody gets cut in half and survives. And I haven't seen the Clone Wars arc where he's reintroduced or anything like that. So all the details of that, I don't know. But 
that that idea has never worked for me and maybe it'll work once I actually see the episodes I don't know but anyway I hear nothing about good things about Maul's portrayal in the Clone Wars and Rebels and so you know I guess I'm willing to keep an open mind about it but yeah he should be dead (laughs) so I tend to agree I I hope Maul will not survive this season and when you get down to it maybe that's what the next step for Rebels is is a good death you know Ahsoka, we don't have a death. I mean, you know, if you want to think that she's dead, that's fine. But, you know, we don't have a death scene. So there's you know, no way you can really say you got a death out of it, no matter what you think about her ultimate fate. And the only deaths we've had really are Inquisitors. You know, that's sort of the, the highest level at which we've had a death. So we've got to inject a little bit more jeopardy into this whole thing. And I'm not necessarily saying I want to see one of our, you know, Fab Six sacrificed for any reason but something's gotta give i think and you know maul is a pretty major starting point for that but i i have trouble seeing him be the one that gets it just because they've invested so much time in him and bringing him back and bringing him back so um i hope you're right jeremiah but i i'm not sure it's gonna happen i just i can't see them committing to it you know what i mean and last but not least i've got dennis keithley from the starships sabers and scoundrels podcast He says he thinks Ezra Bridger will come to the brink of falling to the dark side, only to be pulled back by the love of his new adopted family, the crew of the Ghost. Kanan and Ezra will be at odds throughout the season. Ezra will likely be protective of his mentor, who is now blind. Kanan will struggle with the direction that Ezra is headed. In the end, Ezra will learn something about not being overprotective and making the mistakes Anakin Skywalker did. Kanan will learn something about being a mentor, a better mentor, excuse me, and letting go. And it was clear to me that he'd been giving this a lot of thought, and I asked him for a little bit more, and he said he's been worried about Ezra for some time. He says, I felt that throughout Season 2, Ezra was getting darker. The relationship between Ezra and Kanan has had its peaks and valleys, and that Kanan struggles with being a mentor. And just when it looked like they'd come to an understanding, the Season 2 finale happened, and Maul and the Sith Holocron introduced new problems. Then Dennis says he saw the season three trailer and he really became concerned about Ezra. And Dennis, I gotta say, I share your concern and I think we could even go farther with it. In fact, I think it's entirely plausible building off of what Tim was saying about this potentially being the Empire Strikes Back season of Star Wars Rebels. I think it's entirely possible that he doesn't go to the brink and get pulled back. I think it's possible that Ezra actually goes over to the dark side. He's in that perfectly dangerous space where he will be tempted and he's messing around with it too much that he could certainly get suckered and we don't know what the voice is that's coming out of the Sith holocron that's labeled presence for now that's also being voiced by the actress that does the voice for Asajj Ventress. I don't think it's Ventress specifically coming out of that thing, but, you know, it can't be a good thing (laughs) if it's coming out of a Sith holocron, right? So I think there's some serious possibility that Ezra goes all the way over to the dark side and then you have to look at season four being a redemptive season. Or that season four is them dealing with all the problems that him going to the dark side causes, and season five then dealing with the redemption. Assuming that there will be five seasons, and assuming that there will only be five seasons, because that seems to be a nice arc, right? It's Shakespearean, practically. You know, you've got your opening, you've got your rising movement, you've got your climax, you've got your falling action, and you've got your denouement. So, uh, French word, denouement? Denouement? Sorry. Anyway, the other thing I will add is that I think Thrawn has to get beaten back by the end of this season. So legend stuff, of course, is not in play necessarily, necessarily. I mean, it kind of is, but it kind of isn't, right? So Thrawn, of course, is not human. And we know that the Empire is particularly xenophobic. So 
It's something to have a non-human admiral operating in the fleet, but I seem to recall that in the original trilogy novels that he had kind of been shunted off to the side a bit. You know, he wasn't necessarily considered all that in a bag of chips because he was alien, like he was passed over for attention and that sort of thing. Now, maybe I'm utterly misremembering this. I don't know. But he's the one, of course, who comes up with a grand plan to get the Empire back on its feet. But, you know, the fact that he was around and alive and kicking and able to survive sort of begs the question, where was he in the midst of everything that was going on? Like he was just not part of the big action or he was not trusted with the responsibility? I don't know. Anyway, he's being brought in to try to handle this, and I think it's a big proving ground for him. He's already proved himself to a certain degree to get up to the rank of Grand Admiral as an alien in the Empire, but I have a feeling that ultimately he is going to end up disgraced out of all of the events of this season, whatever they may be, and end up having to slink back to the shadows to some other sector of the Outer Rim. As far as our main cast members, you know, I hope we get to see something more about Zeb and about Chopper and about Hera, because it seems like they don't get that much attention. I mean, Chopper certainly has his daring due, so we're fine with that. Like, he doesn't necessarily need any more character development. We got a bit with Zeb with getting some of the Lasat resettled, and that was nice. And Hera, you know, <sighs> Hera needs a lot more, I think. And I think she needs a lot more beyond developing the relationship with her dad. So hopefully Dave Filoni and company are able to manage some of that to do some more development, certainly for Zeb and for Hera. Chopper, ah, eh, you know, like, <laughs> he's a droid, so I guess maybe I should probably, you know not be biased against droids, but you know what I mean. Anyway, so it's really Kanan and Ezra and Sabine that are getting the bulk of the attention, at least so far, it seems, in terms of character development and story arcs and so on and so forth. And you know, Kanan, the whole blind Jedi thing, well, I gather that this had been something that had been discussed for a number of years in the Rebels writing room. And I like the choice for him. You know, I think back to A New Hope when they're flying off to Alderaan or where Alderaan should be, and Ben puts the helmet on Luke, and Luke says, with the blast shield down, I can't see a thing. How am I supposed to fight? That was the first time that he was able to make a connection with the Force, and it actually worked. He didn't need to see to be able to deflect the blaster bolts from those training droids. So why wouldn't it work for Kanan? Of course, Kanan is already doing rather well in the Force. It's not like he needed that extra boost per se, but I think that him being blind is only going to help him develop his Jedi skills more rapidly. Now, I've already said my piece about Ezra. I think it's certainly a possibility that he just falls to the dark side, period, paragraph, end of story. So as far as Sabine goes, so she's a member of House Vizsla, which if you remember from back in the Clone Wars, pre-Vizsla was the guy who was leading a Mandalorian army that was going to take back control of Mandalore and bring it back to their, you know, warmongering ways. And in the Season 3 trailer, we see her holding this thing called the Darksaber, which was an ancient Jedi weapon that had been taken from them by the Mandalorians and was in the Vizsla house until Darth Maul defeated Pre-Vizsla and took it away from him and was the leader of the Death Watch for a while. So apparently it gets back in Sabine's hands. Now, whether she is now the rightful owner of this thing or whether there was some sort of fight where it was being used against her and she was able to get it away from whoever was using it against her and then starts wielding it herself, you know, we don't know yet. That's still to be developed. But there's definitely going to be some significant investment in Mandalorian stuff in Season 3. We've got Mandalorian serving the Empire and Sabine getting involved in fracases and dust-ups with them and talking with mentors who are saying that she has kept the Mandalorian ways well and that sort of thing. So 
let's go way off the reservation and say that there's a possibility that Sabine leaves the ghost crew and goes back to Mandalore. And I'm not going to say permanently. What I am going to say is that it's entirely possible that she leaves the ghost crew for a while to explore her Mandalorian heritage and to get back in touch with her family and get involved with what's going on on Mandalore. And then she will eventually rejoin the ghost crew, I would think. I don't think she could stay away entirely, but I think it's entirely possible that she would take an extended leave from the ghost crew to be with her family and be with the action on Mandalore. But whether that happens or anything else that we've discussed here, all of that is about to start being revealed this evening with the Season 3 premiere of Star Wars Rebels. So I can't wait to see it. I can't wait for you to see it. And I am going to do a podcast on that episode for tomorrow's episode as well. It's going to be a late night for me tonight. So... And I'd love to hear your predictions, what your thoughts are for Season 3, so please do share them at the comments of the blog post for this show's episode at SW7x7.com. Hey Rebel Rouser, you're listening to this podcast, maybe you'd like to listen to a Star Wars story too. Luckily we've got just the thing for you. We've partnered with Audible to give you a free download and a free 30-day trial of their awesome service. All you gotta do is go to audibletrial.com SW7x7 to sign up and get your free download. They've got dozens of Star Wars titles, anything you want to do to explore that galaxy far, far away. One more time for you, audibletrial.com SW7x7. All right, how about a trivia question here? Together, we will destroy the Resistance and the Last Jedi. Last time I asked you where we hear the Wilhelm scream in The Force Awakens, and that is in the landing bay of the Star Destroyer finalizer when Poe and Finn are shooting up the place in their TIE fighter. And today's question for you, what's the name of that laser cannon the First Order deploys, the big one to try and shoot down Poe and Finn's TIE fighter while they're still in the landing bay? Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you pick up another pathetic life form, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if you like what you've been hearing, support the podcast at patreon.com SW7x7. It's not a pod race bet, it's Destiny Unleashed. podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2016 Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.